0: Joshua chapter four, verse one, and it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, take you 12 men out of the people, 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man command you them saying, take you hence out of the midst of Jordan. Jordan. Out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm Twelve stones You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place Where you shall lodge this night Then Joshua called the twelve men Whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man And Joshua said unto them Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take ye up every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? That's the King James. but The original language of this Is a question that says when your children look at you and say. What do these stones mean to you? It's got to be the kind of investment that when your children look at you. They say what do these stones mean to you? That you have an answer. Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. The children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded. They took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan. As the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and they laid them down there. And Joshua... Set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there unto this day at the writing of the scripture. For the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished. That the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people. According to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass. When all the people were clean passed over, that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests in the presence of the people. I believe I've heard from the Lord tonight, and I'm going to preach to you from a subject that I hope you'll never forget, but I want to preach to you tonight when a bridge is not an option. You may be seated in Jesus' name. As I shared with this church over the last couple of weeks and months, the vision of this conference this weekend was not only to impact with global vision today, but for us to make an impact globally for years to come. How do we do that? We do that by affecting young people in a local church. We do that by putting vision, and purpose in another generation. We have full-time missionaries in this room tonight that can tell you that the mission field has become a place of question and wonder in many fields because we have missionaries that are reaching an age that they're coming off the field. And there are young men and young women that are in need of Of a field to work in, but they'd rather find a church that's already been built And uh, find a church where they can go and have a big enough salary That they can get in a hunting club and get them a nice bass boat And find them a church that somebody else has already laid down And just make it happen, you know Just find an easy, comfortable place of ministry And elder missionaries are on the field banging their head against the wall Saying, God, you sent me, you sent me, you sent me but who's going to come after me? God, what are we going to do? What's going to happen next? And we raise up generations in the church. And, and I don't want this to start off negative on the wrong foot. But we have created a subculture of Pentecost that we raise up a generation within our own subculture in Pentecost. That we raise them up to sit on the pew. They get fed. They teach us a little Sunday school class. Do whatever they're going to do. And 25 years later, they've got kids. They're raising their kids up. And now... They're kind of doing their deal and they fit right into the subculture of Pentecost. And we move on and the next pastor comes in and then the church keeps on growing while people all over the world are lost and dying without God, going to hell. And there's nobody to preach. We have spent our lifetime praying that God would give the lost world A revelation of eternity, a revelation of hell, a revelation of the power of how long eternity is. The scripture says that if this truth be hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost. I believe that perhaps the prayers that we have prayed for God to reveal eternity to the lost is a prayer that we have prayed amiss. Because I firmly believe that when the church of the living God Wraps our own minds Around the power of eternity We'll have no problem Telling somebody else That doesn't know him Just how long eternity really is I feel like that We are approaching The imminent return of Christ And we cannot afford To raise a generation Of feeble, weak Anemic Spineless young people That are going to stand behind The revelation of their pastors Yet carry no weight for the vision and the future of the world. I don't know how long we've got until Jesus comes back. But I can tell you this. We don't have enough missionaries. We don't have enough evangelists. We don't have enough pastors. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough prophets. And so with all of this on my mind, I believe that God has brought us to this age to build A generation of young people that are on fire for God and desire to do great things for God. As a young man I started working in youth ministry and 21 years ago this last January I came home to Anderson to work full time here and pastor young people and it was a blessing. I stand on the shoulders of great men tonight. I thank God for my dad, my bishop, my pastor who has made it so easy for me to move in this direction. But I want to tell you that I never felt gratification in working with young people when I felt like, and please understand, I don't mean this to be ugly, but I felt like we continued to reproduce our own kind over and over and over and over. It was like if our parents did not have a passion for the lost and a vision for winning the world, We would just leave that to organization. We would just leave that... To missions departments, and we would leave that to the chosen few that God called to be a missionary and go somewhere and win the world, and then we would sit at home and pray. But I'm telling you that God put something in me as a boy that I've never felt like it was all right to just tell young people, it's okay, honey, you just live whatever standard of holiness you want to and get adapted to the way of the North American church and move right along. And if God calls you to be a preacher, that's great. I don't think it's ever been the plan of God for us to just keep on raising up preachers that preach messages to apostolic people that get them excited about doctrines they already know. We'll pack out theaters and pack out stadiums and. where is the passion going to come from in some young men that are willing to step up and say there's some people outside of this subculture that have never heard this message oh God I plan on giving this weekend and a portion of what we give is certainly going To be invested in foreign fields. But I want to tell you something. Please, please understand me. When I tell you this church will continue to grow in our giving. This church has been very clear to you over the last several years. That I'm pretty much holding my breath. Doing all we can until we can finally write that first million dollar check to missions. And I believe God's going to do it for us in the near future. But I want to tell you what we cannot afford to do is to work for 12 months to write a million dollars to missions and send the check off and say, there, I paid my dues. The North American church has become so isolated from what's happening in the rest of the world because we are absolutely blinded. Out of uh, the opportunities that God has given us spoiled rotten. We get a virus that hits the earth. And North America finally thinks we have reached our persecution. We shut down church for a few weeks and it was horrible. God help me, I'll never do it again. But understand me when I tell you that the North American church knows nothing about persecution. If we can't come together for a conference and high-five a knuckle bump, then we've been persecuted. Uh-huh. While well, humanity is crying out, and now our missionaries are stuck, can't get in their field. Some of them stuck on the field, can't get home, don't know what to do. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. We're not going to waste the last 12 months of what we've been through and say thank God we made it through it and get back to just having normal church. I'm asking God to turn us upside down and inside out and wreck our minds and wreck our spirits and turn us absolutely around where there is a fundamental change in the way that we approach the kingdom of God. I am not satisfied to come together for good church for the rest of my life. I want God to do a work through this church that will absolutely shake the foundation of humanity. God I believe that we as a movement preach more about faith than any other movement in the world we preach more about victory than any other movement in the world but to be honest with you God help me tonight it's kind of like going to a conference and spending thousands of dollars to go to a conference to hear preaching on prayer Coming home and not praying But it was a good conference to be at Because one of our favorite preachers was preaching about prayer And he's paid the price through prayer And so because we admire somebody that's paid the price We'll go here and preach about how they prayed And come home inspired But our prayer closets are empty We go to missions conferences And we hear missionaries talk about the things they've been through oh wow that's so awesome look at all that and we fantasize about the great things that they've done but it's kind of like rejoicing with job at the end of the story we rejoice because he knows his redeemer lives we rejoice because he knows that his redeemer shall stand at the latter day on the earth but you weren't there in the conversations that job was having with god when god said job where were you when i popped the chalk line on this thing and scooped out with the hollow of my hand are you hear what I'm telling you? We don't see the whole story. And so if I could break it down in short for you tonight, what I've come to tell you is we can preach about the mission and we can preach about the moment and we can preach about passion and we can preach about harvest and we can preach about revival, but there's still no shortcut to the breakthrough. i thank god for the preach word i thank god for it there's nothing more exhilarating to me probably in the whole world than getting to preach but i'm telling you right now that we have got to get beyond exhilaration and preaching for the response of a clap and we've got to make something happen on monday and tuesday and wednesday and thursday that shake us we've got to get Is no greater than Sunday or Wednesday (laughs) What kind of picture is that If the Lord comes back on a Tuesday We talk about the coming of the Lord all the time The imminent return of Christ There's no fear in our hearts and Let me please preface this by saying I know some of us are afraid we're going to miss the rapture But I don't believe that's where God's trying to get us. I believe God's trying to bring us to the place that we're afraid of everybody else that's going to miss it. Where we are so invested in the kingdom of God. That there is no rest in our minds and our spirits. That every place our foot walks becomes our mission field. Every child that we invest in, every young person that we see. Every person that we walk by, there's something that beats within our heart that says, That soul, right there. If I don't talk to them, if I don't touch them. If I don't help them, if I don't reach them. I'll never forget the day. that I was seeking God. I'll never forget it. I'll never get tired of this story, and I don't want to hurt anybody, embarrass anybody. But I'll never forget the day. Of all things, I was preaching a conference at Myrtle Beach and got on Facebook. It's a good way to run a good sermon. I was scrolling through Facebook when the Lord spoke to me. I'll never understand. It. I didn't understand it at that moment. Didn't think I'd ever understand when the Lord spoke to me. And He said to me, He said, As a full time pastor, traveling all the time, gone preaching all the time, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to go take a job at the golf course. I said, what? The golf course? I wonder how much they pay. (laughs) So I walked in, and there stood the owner, some of the most precious people that I've ever met. I love them with all my heart. Thank God for them. I walked in the door, and they called him by name, Mr. St. Clair, what can we do for you? I said, that's what I came to ask you about. What can I do for you? And they looked at me funny. I said, I came to work for you. She said, you came to work for us. I said, I did. I came to work for you. She said, you're hired. I said, oh God, what have I done? I'll never forget the day that I was standing in the clubhouse and this sweet man walked up to me and introduced himself to me. My name's Joe. I said, hey Joe, how you doing? He said, you're a preacher. Yeah, I'm preacher. Pentecostal church, yes sir he said let me ask you a question I remember he leaned across the desk on his right elbow Woo! and he said I went to a certain kind of church and he told me he said, what's the difference in you and them he said do I understand it right that you guys are Jesus only never forget it I said yes sir we are and we started talking a little bit a few days later he came in and leaned over on that elbow again he said hey I want to ask you about this yes sir we got to talk I had this crazy preacher in here named Bruce Shepard and I thought oh God of all revivals to break somebody in on If they don't want to quit sinning, Brother Shep will scare the sin out of them. I'll never forget the night that my heart just about stopped when I looked up and in came Brother Joe. Was it worth it to spend a whole summer running to graduations and late to all kinds of meetings? For one man to lean over a desk and say, hey, let me ask you a question. What's the difference in you and us? Well, I can tell you tonight, he's sitting in this congregation. And the answer is yes. It's worth it. We've got to do something more radical right. than show up on Sunday morning And maybe Sunday night if we feel like it And then tell God we're craving revival yeah. Yeah. 24 hours of prayer slots Sometimes standing open Waiting for somebody to buy in But oh, we're ready Everybody wants the crossover moment everybody wants the power of the promised land you can stand be seated whatever you feel But the lord said he called joshua new generation to lead across the jordan river and the lord said to him in the first chapter of joshua he said to him he said son wherever you put your foot i'm gonna give it to you he said i'm going to give you the promise of your father so to speak moses he said, i'm gonna give you the same promise that I gave to Moses Moses brought us here And I'm going to give you the same promise Wherever your foot goes I'm going to give it to you And so Joshua calls them together And as the word of the Lord came to us On Wednesday night Tongues and interpretation In this church The Lord has spoken to this church And said Consecrate yourselves today For tomorrow I'll do wonders among you Well here's what you need to know It's tomorrow It's tomorrow It's tomorrow It's time for the wonder. I'm trying to get where I'm going tonight, so just stay with me. There was an investment made that day. It was not all just about the crossover. It was not all just about the glory, the miracle. Was powerful. It was a moment that we'll never forget. I'm not sure we completely understand the magnitude of the miracle as it happened when the priest stepped forward with the ark of God on their shoulders and their toes touched him. But understand me when I tell you, folks, this was a difficult time to cross. It was harvest season. And in harvest season, the Bible said that the Jordan had overflowed her banks. This wasn't just a normal time of dry season where they could come to the Jordan and cross over. There was no danger involved in this. Even if God didn't do his part, it was still shallow enough we can make it. God does things for a reason, and he waited. Of all the times that he could have in 40 years, let them cross over. He said, I'm going to wait till the banks are overflowing. I'm going to send them into a season that's so much bigger than they are. They don't even know what I'm about to do with them, but one thing's for sure. When they walk into this one, they're going to know they can't do it without me. Some of you have been looking at banks that are overflowing and saying there is no way. There is absolutely no way. But God sent me on this Friday night to tell you that a bridge is not even in the conversation we're not looking for tools to build a bridge to find out how to get across this Jordan no no we're going to take a step of faith and we're going to walk into a destiny that God has created for us and when we get in the middle of it we're going to know it was God or die Oh, God, I'm trying to get there. i got to get it out of my spirit. And so the weight rested on the shoulders of the ministry. And Joshua said, you boys just walk off in there and understand. Listen, I know the ministry's got to be the first to take the step of faith. I get that. Let the priest take the step. The water's overflowing. So before anybody else got mud betwixt their toes, it was the priesthood that stepped off not under just their own weight but with the weight of the glory on their shoulders. Looking back, the other guy A little bit of water comes up on their ankles, mud covering over the top of their feet. And he said, "Uh, when's this supposed to happen? Uh, I don't know. Well, what if it's too deep? Well, what if we can't make it happen? Well, what if God really does what he said he'd do? Have you ever noticed God speaks a word to us? And our response is always, was that you? Doubt speaks a word to us and we say, you're right. The Holy Ghost says walk on. and We say, yeah, but COVID. I've had guys tell me, bro, look. We're in a mess right now. This virus got us messed up. The church is messed up. What church? His church? Because I've read Revelation over and over and over and over. I've read Daniel over and over and over. And I've never seen the spot yet where the church gets overtaken in the end time and we just lose our power. As a matter of fact, when I read it, it said that we're going to do greater works than he did. So the ministry, the, the, the priests, they step off into the water. It's a tough place to be. As they take the step of faith. Now, I want you to understand The scripture said that as they walked in, of course, you have to know the water coming down from the north flows to the Dead Sea. And the Lord, the Bible said he stopped the waters that were coming from the north. Let it run out from the south into the Dead Sea. Why is that? Well, I don't have time to preach all this. But you're going to find wherever there's miracles happening, there's always Dead Sea people. That have things flowing into them, but nothing flowing out. And the Lord said, the first thing that I'm going to do in this miracle working business is I'm just going to stop the flow to some things that are dead. I need something with life to come across this river. And the Bible said that from where they crossed all the way up to Adam, Adam, 20 miles, 30-something kilometers up the river that the water began to pool. It was like God just sent a wall of angels standing there. It was like something only God could do. It's the kind of move of God that your pastor's been asking the Lord for. Something so big that I can't get the glory for it. Something so big you can't get the glory for it. I don't care if my name's in lights. I don't care if my name's on the sign. I want God to do something so big that when they look at it, they say, Good Lord, that had to be the hand of God. And for 20 miles, the water starts to back up in In flooding season, the water's backing up. And these men of God take the step of faith. And, Bishop, it's a place that you've lived my whole life. That when you take the step of faith and the waters finally part, the priest can exhale and say, He did it. Oh, I didn't know how he was going to. I didn't know if I was going to make it through it. There were days my dad and I would come down here working in this church. And honest to God, I watched my dad, I'm not being disrespectful, I'm being serious. I watched my dad's hair go gray in 15 to 18 months. I'm serious. I watched him carry the load. I watched him fall off of ladders and break ribs and wrists. I watched the investment of it. I want to be a preacher. forgot about that part. I kept looking for that class in Bible college. couldn't find it where... You got to take the bishop to the emergency room with broken ribs because he fell off of a ladder. Couldn't find that part because revival never tells the whole story going in. That's why he's got to take Moses every now and then and put him in the cleft of the rock because he said, If I crack my fingers and let you see it, you'd never believe me, Moses. You'd never believe what I'm doing while you can't see it, but you got to trust me in the process. And the priest of the Lord stepped into the water. I don't know how deep it got, but I can promise you this in my flesh, it was too deep. If it got up to my ankles or my knees, it was too deep. It was too deep and too close to call. But as they walked in, the Holy Ghost got to moving. And the angels of the Lord or the hand of the Lord, however you want to believe it, put the water back for 20 miles up the river. And he said, Watch what I can do. But it didn't stop right there because the priests of the Lord they walked into the middle of the river with the glory of God. And they took their pace, and as they walked, the wall began to rise up in the middle of the river but the Lord said that he wanted his priest to stand in the middle of the river because there was another thing that had to happen brother Thornton he said I want you Joshua before you send the men of God into the middle of that river to find some men that represent the body one man from every tribe and as the men of God stand under the power of the glory of God in the middle of the miracle I need you to send some men in there that can get under the Weight of what I'm doing. And the Bible said that as the priest came in, that there was a place, you can read it for yourself, that the feet of the priest stood firm. I was asking the Lord this week why we haven't seen enough monumental moments in my life. So help me God, this was as clear as I'm talking to you. He said, Because it's hard to find priests who will stand firm in one place. The memorial came from the place. He said, make it clear. I want them to take stones from where the priest stood firm. You want to know why I'll never stop preaching this apostolic message? You want to know why I'll never stop preaching holiness and separation from the world? Because you don't build memorials with fickle feet. If you want to have apostolic demonstration, then you got to stand with apostolic feet and stand firm in the middle of the river. He said, I need 12 men. That represent every tribe Brother Gray this means I need everybody involved I want every tribe involved I need 12 men That represent all of Israel To get in there where the priests are under the power Of the glory of God And they're carrying the weight of it He said I need some men that'll get in there from the body And they'll pick up a part of the memorial And they'll carry it to the other side And he said there's one thing That this is going to represent He said this is not going to be an altar You'll never sacrifice on these stones You'll never pray at these stones He said these stones Are for one reason only They are an investment For the next generation <laughs> He said, when your kids woke up and say, Daddy, what do these stones mean to you? He said, you can tell them there was a season in our life that it would have been easier to build a bridge. But we had to wait on the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost to do what only God could do. He said, it's going to be a monumental moment. That you're going to look at your kids and say I wondered when the priest stepped in If God was going to do it Sometimes I question the sanity Of those old priests But when they stepped off in the water son I want to tell you what happened That it was God almighty Who drew back the water And carried us over Into the promised land (laughs) Listen, if we learn anything in the story, we learn it's not just the priest that's going to carry the weight of the memorial. He said, You let the priest carry the weight of the glory of God, and you let the men, you let the men of the body carry the weight of the memorial. Because the priest won't be the one looking at your kids and saying, This is what the stone's for. And forgive me if it sounds like I'm being negative because I'm not. But we've left the storytelling to the priest for too long. He said it's going to be the men that carried these stones out from where the priests were standing firm. It's going to be for their children, it's going to be for their grandchildren, it's going to be for generations to come. This is what the Lord has done. <laughs> I got a bunch more to preach But I just want to follow the Holy Ghost right here I'm going to make you a promise tonight As your shepherd I'm going to stand firm I'll stand But I'm going to tell you what I need tonight I need some men from the body I can grab my memorial. Brother Haney, I need you to come tonight right back here. And I need you to carefully pick up that stone right there, my brother. It might get a little dirt on your shoulder. But I want you to put that up there on your shoulder. And I want you to make your way through here. I want you to set it up there on that top step, my brother. Because you're carrying the weight of the memorial that God is going to do. Jason Pratt, I want you to come. I want you to get a stone. Brother Justin, I want you to come tonight. Oh, God. Brother Landon, I want you to come. Josh, Malone, will you come? I want you men to come. I want you to get a stone. I want you to set it up here. Now, I know what that stone's made of. I want to tell you, that's the heaviest stone you've ever picked up in your life right there. Brother Jason, that's the heaviest stone you'll ever carry. Because it's got those two girls on it. When they're asking you, Daddy what's that all about you can say it was at missions conference 2021 that God put a weight on my shoulders come on brother come get your stone hallelujah Brother Castro I want you to come get you a stone That's the heaviest stone you've ever carried Josh It's the heaviest stone you've ever carried in your life Come on brother Harrison It's the heaviest weight you've ever carried my brother You've never felt anything like that But when your boys look at you You're going to say I remember the day That God put it on my shoulders And I got under the load Of what God was doing In the middle of a miracle I've come to tell somebody tonight There's a miracle in the making and we're not building a bridge the Bible said they brought it to Aaron and Aaron started setting it up in the place where they were going to lodge he started setting up them stones he said oh yeah yeah This is it. And he turned around. He said, thank you for getting under the load, buddy. He said, I want to tell you something. You'll never, ever, you'll never regret this investment as he's putting his hands on putting them together. he's let me tell you something, son. When your grandson comes to you and says, tell me why, tell me why, my buddy told me we were a slave. Tell me why we're not a slave anymore, granddaddy. Tell me why. He said, there's a place you can take them to. You can walk them right over to that memorial, that monument, and say, with a mighty hand, he brought us out of Egypt. And with a mighty hand, he carried us through the wilderness. And with a mighty hand, he brought us across the Jordan River. And son, the reason that you're not a slave anymore. It's because your granddaddy refused to build a bridge when he chose to trust God. (laughs) Brandon Hensel, I want you to go get a stone, buddy. I want you to put that on your shoulder. It's the heaviest stone you'll ever carry in your life because the weight of Bingham is resting on that stone. And someday he's going to ask. (laughs) Ha-ha! Someday he's going to ask, Daddy, is it true that God delivered you from addiction? And you're going to say, Son, I remember the night that I took the stone on my shoulder. And I said, I don't want to be a drug addict anymore. Come on, son, it's the heaviest stone you'll ever carry in your life. And God's not anywhere close to finish with you yet. He's just getting started. Rebosokosandabah. <laughs> God brought you back here at the right time, Elvis Jones. I want you to walk down that middle aisle. I want you to do what God's called you to do. I want you to pick up that stone, and if you can make it down that aisle without falling apart, it'll surprise me because the hand of the Lord has spared you for this moment. These kids that sitting here tonight—they're here. Your grandkids, you're gonna say. Peppo is it true. Brother Tony Gert, the Holy Ghost is calling you to pick up a stone tonight, my brother. Because if the Lord tarries, one day your grandkids are going to come with you to church and say, Papa, is it true? It's the heaviest stone you'll ever carry, Brother Gertie. came across the river the Bible said that they called the name of that place that day, Gilgal Gilgal is not a physical place, it's not a city, it's not a dwelling place, as a matter of fact, if you read Gilgal, it just refers to a circle type uh, meeting place, as a place of worship, Gilgal was mentioned in at least six different places that we know of that were geographically located but it's very interesting that in the middle of this massive miracle they set up and in in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord said wherever you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you In the 1980s, they discovered, just across the Jordan, between the Jordan River and Jericho, a place that they believe to be Camp Gilgal. In the 1980s, Bishop, they found. uh, You can look for it. Not right now, I'm preaching. You can Google it. Look for the footprints at Gilgal. The place where they camped, it's massive. You can see it on Google Earth. It's a massive place that still stands to this day in the shape of a right foot. It's the shape of a right foot. Joshua said, the Lord... Is who gave us this land. And he told me wherever I put my foot. And he was going to give it to me. And Gilgal in the shape of a man's right foot. They say we believe it was right here in the middle of this footprint. That not only did the tabernacle dwell after they moved it from Shiloh. But we believe that we have found the twelve stones. <laughs> that were put there. By Joshua and the men when they cross the river now this is the part you got to get this is generational, because some several years later there was a boy named Elijah that the hand of God was on him and he came to a showdown with the prophets of Baal prophets of the Grove 850 in total they're all way up north in Mount Carmel looking out across the river But the hand of God's on Elijah. Jezebel's trying to rear her ugly head just like she is right now. And John said she would in Revelation. But Jezebel was moving. False God, Baal, idolatry all over the place is coming. And so finally Elijah gets sick of it. And he comes to the place where he feels like he's the only one left. I'm the only one that's left. And he makes this statement. He said, I'm the only prophet of God that's left, but there's 450 prophets of Baal. He said, So let's have a showdown right now. So he let them come in there. They did their dance. They did their jig. They cut themselves, did all that. Nothing happened at all. Nothing. He said, Hey, maybe your Lord's taking a nap. Look at it. Go read it. He said, Maybe you had to go to lunch. Maybe there's something wrong with it. I don't know. Maybe what's wrong with it. But when you're done, you just let me know. And he finished his deal. And Elijah said, All right, boys, here's what we're going to do read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. He said to them, he said to them in 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, He said, All right, I need you guys to go right over here. He said, There's an old altar over here somewhere. He said, But I want you to gather up 12 stones. He said, I want you to gather up 12 stones. And we're going to use those 12 stones and bring them right back up. We're, we're not even down at Jordan, we're all the way up north. You understand what I'm saying to you? The monument at Jordan made an impact on a prophet at Mount Carmel. He said, Not only do I want 12 stones. A lot of people have wondered why I did this. And I've preached a lot about the miracle work and power and the faith and the investment. Great preaching for a giving conference. But he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to dig a trench all the way around this. And I want you to fill it up. He said, I want four. Oh, God. He said, I want you to go get four. Four pictures and do it. They came back. He said, go get four more. Come back and did it. He said, go get four more. And he came back and did it. It was 12 pictures, 12 stones. He said, it was so much that it filled the trench. But I want you to get the picture. He said, I want you to make a little river right here next to these 12 stones. Because I heard a story of what God can do with 12 stones. (laughs) He said, guys, I know that water was expensive. But I've heard tell of what God can do when you build a monument like this. And it's not recorded. But sometimes I wonder if when they said, why are we digging this ditch? If he said, let me tell you about the Jordan River. When the children of Israel came across, it looked just like this. There was a little bit of water and a few stones. But it was a memorial. the Bible said when he called on the name of the Lord his God that the fire came from heaven and it consumed the water and it consumed the very stones. It consumed the sacrifice. I feel like telling you right now that God knows what he's talking about when men will build a memorial. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. So God sends him. I'm hurrying. Please don't, don't leave me i got to get here. So God sends him all the way up north again to this boy that's working in the field. He pulled his mantle off. And he said, I was going to do a dress rehearsal. Just a little Look at this school-age boy right here. Let me see if the next generation can handle this kind of mantle. Throws it over him. Elisha's. I was raised to be a farmer. That's what my daddy invested in me to do. But he said now. I got to make a choice. Is it cows and plows? Or miracles and mantles? Am I going to stay here? Hey. Where I'm comfortable. And Elijah said son I'm going to give you a choice. He said you can stay right here. You can stay with these oxen if that's what you want to do. He said, but God has got something for you. He said, give me just one minute. I'm about to go over here and kiss my mom and my daddy. And I'm going to tell them that God has a work for me to do. And I'm going to follow after you, Elijah. And the scripture said that he would not leave his side. The Bible said he would not leave his side. He even tried to leave him a couple of times. He said, I'm gonna go over here. Elijah said, Oh no, 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 you're not. He said, If you're going, I'm going with you and I'm gonna follow you. But the word of the Lord tells us if you get in your own Bible in 2 Kings, the second chapter, then now it's time for the transfer of the double portion to the next generation. And the Bible said that Elijah it came to pass in 2 Kings 2 and 1 when the Lord was getting ready. To take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. His ministry started with a dress rehearsal and a mantle all the way up in the northern kingdom. But Elijah said, Before I get out of here, I want to take you to a memorial, son. And he took him to the right footprint that God had set down for Joshua. (laughs) And the scripture said Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here because the Lord told me to go to Bethel. Elisha said to him, Oh, no, 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 no. As the Lord liveth, as our soul liveth, I'm not leaving you. So they went down. The sons of the prophets of Bethel came down and they were watching. He said, do you know that the Lord is going to take your father from you today, your master from you today? Elijah said unto him, Elisha, Terry, here I pray, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. To Jericho? Hang on a second. Jericho and the Jordan, Gilgal. There's at least six mentions of a place called Gilgal, a place of worship. But only one of them are located in the Jordan River basin. Between Jericho and the Jordan River. You listen to what this preacher's telling you. When God was getting ready to open up a double portion ministry for the next generation, he brought the prophet of God back to the place of memorial where 12 men got under the load. And generations later, because somebody got under the load, Elijah said, See those stones right there? That's where God parted the Jordan for the children of Israel. He said, you and I are getting ready to go across right here. Uh, we're going to build a bridge. Nope. It's not an option. What are we going to do? He said, that mantle I threw on you a little bit ago. He said, there's something to that mantle. And he said, you see them 12 stones right there, son? That was at a transfer moment where God was moving his people into a new area, a new dimension, a new land. He said, and God's getting ready to move you into a double portion. He said, so with that, watch him do it again. And he smites the water, but Brother Thornton, there's something here I'd never thought of before in my life. I got so excited through the years preaching. If I had a dollar for every time I've preached this... I'd I'd fund this missions conference Never seen this in my life before, mother But if they were crossing at Gilgal Where the children of Israel had come across There's 12 stones there There were 12 more stones That hadn't been seen since the days of Joshua Because Joshua took 12 more stones And walked right back out to the middle of the river Where the priests had stood And he said these will be unmolested. Somebody may move that one up there someday. But nobody can get to these. And the Lord showed Elijah and Elisha that day. When you're willing to walk back to memorials. I'll show you hidden things. (laughs) That no other generation. Woo! And when the waters parted. Elisha looked down at that water and he said, one, two, three, twelve. Where'd these come from? He said, son, I've heard about these, but I've never seen them. But before my exit, God's going to let me see things. Bishop, i got a word for you. Elisha wasn't the only one that saw those stones. He said, I'm going to let my father, I'm going to let his father and the gospel see him too. You hear me, Bishop? Everything that God has promised you that you would see that has been hidden in the river, God's going to let you see it. (laughs) Rebando rebasha. You do understand what I'm telling you right now. When you start building bridges, you miss hidden things. But when you let God do the miracle, I'm going to tell you what, 2021. And 2022, until the coming of the Lord is going to bring us, Brother Gray. God's going to start showing this church hidden things. We're going to start seeing hidden things. We're going to start investing in our kids again. We're going to start investing in this school. We're going to start investing in our students. And God is going to lead us with a bunch of kids over to the river. And we're going to show them the monumental moment. Not only is this a monument, but these are the hidden things. Justin Gray, I want you to help me tonight. I know I put you out of your comfort zone, but the Holy Ghost told me to tell you: pick up a stone and walk with it. It's the heaviest stone you'll ever carry, but the hand of God's on your family. He's brought you here for this season, son. Oh, daddy. Did you drive all that way to church? I did. Let's go be a memorial. Oh, God. Listen. I can't just preach this tonight. Do a little altar call and let's go home. That's not what the first night of this meeting is about. Brother Thornton, I'm so glad you're here. They'll hear some good preaching, man. You guys are going to preach good. But listen. I'll tell you what God's about to do. I only got 12 stones. I'm going to leave them there. we filled up up here. Listen. I'll tell you what God's about to do. Young and old. Male and female. God's about to set some heavy stones down in this room right now. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me specifically this. There will be people speaking to me. He spoke to me. He said, there will be people that have followed you from the fringes by fear of what the future would hold because they didn't see the big picture. He said, but I will begin to show them a clear picture of what I'm going to do through this church. And he said, as they begin to see the picture become clear, the weight of the stone will rest on their shoulder. And he said, they will either reject the stone because it's too heavy, or they'll carry it in commitment to a memorial and say, this is where I'll tell my story. Hey, there's something about to sweep across this room right now. She bohotaya. I don't know how God's going to do it. The vision that the Lord has shown me is so much bigger than I I could ever afford. But I'm going to tell you, if his vision didn't scare me to death, I don't know what I'd even do right now. It just scares me to death. So tonight, I've laid it before the Lord, and I said, Okay, God, we've consecrated ourselves. We'll carry the stone. Now you do the wonders. And I'm calling this church tonight. On the first night of missions conference To take ownership It's our mission It's our moment I don't care what it costs me If I gotta walk in fear I'll walk in fear If I've gotta walk without understanding I'll walk without understanding Brother Matthew someday It's gonna be worth it When them precious boys said Daddy what do those stones mean to you? There's a weight coming. There are angels walking up and down the aisles of this church right now. It's a heavy moment. We could just music our way through this right now and walk past this moment, but that's not the will of God. It's time for somebody to take up a stone in here right now. Get off the fringes. Come in from the distance. Say, I really don't care what people say. This right here is where God's going to do it in my life. I'm making a, 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 a commitment tonight. This is my moment. I'm going to get under the weight of this thing. A bridge is not an option. We're going to let God do this. <laughs> Come on, church.